Welcome to the Inside Slant Podcast. Inside Slant Podcast. Brought to you by JayhawkSlant.com. Shay, where do you rank Bill Self's class? It's definitely one of the top 10 classes in the country. Bringing you all the latest info from the coaches, players, and recruits. Kirby, how big is this commitment? Well, he's the type of recruit that can change the whole class. For all of the latest KU news, analysis, and discussion, go online to JayhawkSlant.com. The online leader in recruiting and team coverage. Here's the staff from JayhawkSlant.com. Hey, everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into another edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. And you better buckle up because this one's going to be a good one. It's another pregame edition we gear up for the Jayhawks and senior day matchup in Lawrence against the Texas Longhorns and with it being Texas week we're going to hear from our buddy Jeff Ketchum from Orange Bloods one of the most entertaining personalities on the Rivals Network he'll join us to give us some insight into Bevo and what's going on with the Longhorns program this season Last night, we everybody saw the Jayhawks come from behind in the last few minutes to knock off Duke in the Champions Classic. Our guy, Shea Wildeboard, the man on the Kansas men's basketball beat, is going to join us live to give us his thoughts on the big win over the Blue Devils. Then, like we do every week, Kirby and I will break down the game. We're going to give our predictions on the matchup with UT, and we're also going to talk about what a potentially big weekend this could be for Lance Leipold's program on the recruiting trail. So let's get right into it. I'm going to start off by bringing in my good friend, our man on the men's basketball beat, Shay Wildeboer. Shay, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you, bro? You good? I'm good, man. Fired up. There is That game last night was fantastic. Ooh, man. <laughs> Listen. I'm tired. I will no, say that. <laughs> I know. Hey, I, was, I was thinking to myself, is this thing ever going to get started? Man, like I was, was telling was, Kirby, I was like, I was thinking about telling Kirby, dude, I'm just calling in sick, man. I'll just do it in the, <laughs> I'll just get it done in the morning. It, it was tired. funny listening this morning on eight ten. They were talking about it. Nate mentioned, you know, he was listening to pregame and he said pregame, you know, was almost two hours. And and Haney and uh, David Lawrence were like, well, we heard that Brandon Rush is in the building. Someone's going to go try to find Brandon Rush, and we're going to sit him down, and we're going to interview somebody from the 2008 National Championship team. They were yeah, literally dude, trying to come up with stuff to do. It was it was wild last night. It, it was a long night, but, I mean, and I don't know we'll get into it, but I, listen, it's early November 16th, but it's, it was a, I mean, it's a big win, no, no matter how you look at it. No doubt. Now it's time to bring in our man on the football beat, the publisher at JayhawkSlant.com, my good friend John Kirby. JK, how you doing? I'm here, boys. I'm battling. I'm battling. I've been trying to fight off this head cold sinus infection for about a week. I, I can tell you guys this. You guys have all lived around here forever. Mm-hmm. Last week on this day, I was outside in a t-shirt and shorts mowing the yard. <laughs> it was almost 90 this time last week, wasn't it? Well, I, I can't remember, but I know I last week I was out mowing the yard in shorts and then you know, today tonight's trash night. You got to set the trash out. My wife's like, you got to put the trash out. Golly, <laughs> I went outside and went, man. You're telling me the old, the old lady can't get out there and put the trash out? She helps. Well, especially when you're she, sick. She helps every now and then, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that's no, usually my listen, job. I spent all weekend putting up Christmas lights and stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? People were looking at me like I was crazy. 
But yeah, now yeah. when I when I'm gonna drive by their houses this week and it's cold as heck, I'm gonna be looking at them like they're crazy. I got all that done, man. I don't have to get up on any more roofs. I don't have to put up any more inflatables. My job as Christmas man is done. Well, that's a problem. You you do that yourself. I hire somebody to put those lights up. Now I don't know how. To, I don't have a ladder that can reach up as high as my house goes, but. Well, maybe if you put that co-publisher next to my name, I can hire somebody to come out. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. go. Isn't that right, Randy? Isn't that how it works? Man, I'm telling you, that 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 co-publisher, that, that solves a lot of problems right there, Shay. I think you're right. That's a whole different game. I'll tell you what uh, we'll, you know, have we talk about- we'll, we'll have to do. Uh, we'll have to raise the rates for the guys at My Freight World. You know what? Hey, it, my, the guys at My Freight World, had, they got some really great response last week. It, it was their first time sponsoring the Inside Slant podcast, and they got some tremendous feedback. Had some great comp- conversations with people that were maybe looking to make a move to a new career here just in time for the new year. You know, we talk a lot about recruiting on the podcast, so let's let's talk about a local Kansas City company that's that's out working the recruiting trail hard this time of year my freight world is a logistics company a group of KU guys based in Overland Park they're looking to add more account executives to the team to help bring more customers into the fold there's a better way to do things and my freight world's customers love them because they save them time and money plus bring visibility and remove uncertainty from the freight transportation process Their account executive role, that's what they're looking to fill right now. It offers great work-life balance, operational support, and an uncapped commission structure that truly rewards those that get after it. The harder you work, the more money you can make. That's the way it should be. My Freight World is a great company to work for and a great company to work with as well. For those listeners out there that may have freight transportation needs, give them a call. So for all of our listeners, though, if you're looking to start a new career, looking to make a change as we gear up for the new year, or you know somebody that might be interested in getting into what is a really exciting field to work in in logistics, be sure, have them check out MyFreightWorld.com. Check out the career page of their website. Again, go to MyFreightWorld.com. Let them know you heard about it on the Inside Slant podcast with JayhawkSlant.com. Hey Randy, I want to add something. I I talk with Mike. Um, you know these guys are all good guys. Ku guys, they're on the site. They listen to the podcast. They're football guys, basketball guys. You know, he told me he said um, last week was the first time he came on and and sponsored the podcast. And he said they had some had some real good applicants and some good interest. So you know, hey, obviously, um, you know, there, there are people out there interested. And so if you're looking for a career change or, you know, he, he mentioned guys getting out of college, if they're looking to Absolutely. get in a, in a business like that, you know, mm-hmm. my freight world, good place to give these guys a call. They're sharp guys and they'll treat you right. Mm. Well, and, and they're supporting the Jayhawks. They're supporting what we're doing here. I mean, that's the thing. If you've got a chance to, to, to work with or work for people that already have some common ground with you that support your school, the programs that you cheer for. I mean, why wouldn't you? I know we had a few people last week that posted on the board saying, hey, you know what? I'm looking to make a change or I know somebody that I'm going to share the information with. And by the sound of it, it's it's going well for them. So it's it's great to hear. Well, now that we've talked about recruiting and it's Shay, I hear you, man. We're going to go. We're going to go to you right now because, you know, you've got it easy. This podcast, you've got one topic. Just one thing to talk about, but it is, you know, <laughs> this morning it was literally the the big crimson and blue elephant in the room. Shay, tell us what you think 
after the huge win last night over the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah, my, I had buddies, and even my, like my mom is this huge. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know if you guys get it. Like, but I don't know if your parents are into KU. My oh, yeah. mom's huge, and so she's calling me yesterday. Oh my goodness, it's Duke. It's the, and I'm thinking to myself, here's <laughs> the deal, mom and everybody else. KU's going up there. They're going to be without obviously Bill Self. Um, who's still got one more game, self-suspension. They're going to be without MJ Rice. They're going to be without Zach Clements. Um, you know, um, They were down three guys. Yeah, yeah, down three guys. And they're going up against, obviously, a Duke, a Duke team that's was extremely long, extremely mm-hmm. athletic, extremely talented. But also a top the top-ten team. I mean, right, that, that, that's, that's young, going through a new coaching staff. And I said, mm-hmm. listen, the team that you see t- tomorrow or tonight isn't going to be the same team that you see a couple months from now. On either man, bench for that on, on either side, correct. And, man, I mean, KU came out. They were strong, um, you know, took care of the basketball early on, hit some shots, and all of a sudden, you know, they're up 11. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is not what I expected to see early on against Duke. Well, sure. then, you know, the, the tide starts to change a little bit. You know, uh, you know, Duke's got some size. they got some guys that start finally hitting some shots. Um and all of a sudden, you know, let's fast forward to really late in the game, and it looks like Kansas is going to lose. You know, Grady Dick's been on the bench for a while. Um, you know, I think Jalen Wilson ended up being 0 of 7 from behind the arc. Kansas couldn't hit any shots. And it was a struggle. And I think Duke's length was was um, was really concerning to them. I mean, they just didn't have any answers for those guys. All of a sudden, Grady Dick comes off the bench, hits a three, skies above the rim for a dunk, hits a reverse layup. Um, you know, you got KJ Adams that gets an and one. I know we missed the free throw. I mean, and it's like all of a sudden out of nowhere, something just clicked. Um, you know, Dewan Harris dished out 10 assists, had one turnover. Dewan um, played fantastic. Fantastic. And, you know, here's the, let me say this about this guy, you guys. And I'm going to get kind of because I know some KU fans aren't on him yet. This dude wins wherever he goes. Yep. Where, like Coach Sofa said, if I'm playing pickup and I got the first pick, the first guy I'm taking is Dewan Harris. Well, and we've talked about it numerous times. Dewan Harris is Bill's self-guard. It's a, that is, is his guy. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, so he so he played great down the stretch. You know, you had Kevin McCuller who finally hit his first, you know, two threes um, in a Kansas uniform that had 12 points. I mean, you, listen, here's the thing. that Here's the th- And here's for me, this is it. You're on a national televised game, right? Um, mm-hmm. The other game went two overtimes. So everybody's now waiting. They're watching. And you got a chance, really, um, to make a statement early on in the season. I thought Kansas did that. And, and more than anything else, Randy, I know this might not be a big deal, but, you know, Kentucky lost. So you pick yes. up another game. I mean, Kansas fans, they eat that stuff up. That's oh, a absolutely. big deal. I mean, that's a that, huge that, deal. That all-time wins total thing is, is like you said, it's huge to Kansas right. fans. Right. One of the things last night, though, and I, I know you saw it. I know everybody saw it. The double block. Double block. Hustle. Oh, man. And Hustle. if they if they could have thrown that dunk down, if they would have finished the dunk on the other end after the two blocks, right. I, I think that place might have caved in from Kansas fans. I mean, it, oh, what a sequence. And, and I think that, that I think that's the thing really that defines a Bill Self team. And I think it's the one thing that the fans love about this this team. Uh, you know, the, you guys are going to get after it every night. Yep. No matter what the score is, no matter what's going on, no matter where they're at, they're going to hustle. And, and I think la- last night was just – something you saw to that team, those that double blocks. I mean, and being down, dude. And I remember, and Randy, if you remember this, there was a play, I think, in the second half where Mark Mitchell drove to the lane and kind of dunked over Grady Dick. 
Yep. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, those guys are Sunrise buddies. They know each other. And, you know, it was kind of a struggle early on for Grady. Well, and that was kind of at that point where it looked where Dirk, where Duke, Dirk, where Duke really started to assert itself in the flow of the game as well, where you kind of right. got the feels like, oh, wow, this right. this may not going to be going our way. No, and, and and let me say, dude, I just thought Grady down. Listen, from sit, for sitting on the bench so long, right, and then coming in, splashing the three. I mean, there was no hesitation in that shot, mm-hmm. none. Then you, you don't see that kind of play from a freshman. You do not. I mean, listen, I, I, I can't. I'm not going to say this on the radio or on this podcast, but that takes major. I mean, you got to you got to have some ice in your veins. Cojones. You got to be the type of guy that can. If you hit, if you miss your last ten shots, you can forget all those shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just thought, you know, I thought. For for a team that had played away from the Allen Fieldhouse for the first time, missing some key guys uh, on the road without your your coach, um, you know, I really saw some. I mean, listen, the, the team had 13 blocks. When was the last time a KU team had 13 blocks? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, could, I, I, can't I don't think know. Of once. I mean, no. it was the the defensive performance and just the effort and the grit and the. I mean, guys were diving. You you don't expect to see guys diving on the floor this early in the season and just absolutely laying out the way that they were last night. But that it was uh, Bill was proud for sure. Bill and, and, self was proud of that crew last night. And I and I and I can't remember the last when people talk about experience. I mean, I understand what it means and what it looks like, but I think last night it was it was magnified for me at least. I mean. Listen, you got you got Jalen Wilson out there battling, and you got uh, um, Dewan Harris, and you got Kevin McCall. I mean, and you have two guys that you know all these guys are new and playing is really playing in a big game for the first time. You know, this is this was this wasn't anything new for Kansas. I mean, just you know six seven months ago they were cutting down the nets in New Orleans. So I mean, I think I wasn't for sure what to expect um, this season. I mean, not just last night, but overall from this from this team, I think this team has a chance to be really good. I mean, I think they need to, to shore up the five spot, figure out what they're doing there. You know, I'm inter- I'm really interested to see, um, obviously, what happens with t- with two really two players in particular. Um, I want to see what happens with MJ Rice. I mean, I know he's been, bat- he's been battling some stuff, and then he was sick. And then really Zach Clements. I mean, you know, a year ago, um, Randy, I really thought that it would take him a little time, but I figured by this year that he would be the man. And I, and, and I don't know where, I don't, you know, I don't know what his role was going to be yet. I mean, obviously, I know he's injured, got hit in the face and all those things, but he didn't play a lot the first two games. Um, you know, I know he's a guy that can step out, he can score down low and step outside. So I'm interested to see what happens with him moving forward because I, I originally thought and still do think that he's going to play a big role. But, I'm, you know, you got Ernest Uday now that's, that's out there and you've got uh, K.J. Adams that's out there. You've got Cam Martin that's going to be back. So, you know, when, when they get back, they got a game Friday and then I think they head to the Bahamas and then, you know, they've, you know, they've got a chance to to tinker with this lineup a little bit when Bill gets back and see what happens. Shay, it's always fun to bring you on after a win, especially after a game like that. We appreciate you joining us tonight, man. Thanks a lot. We will talk to you again soon. All right, you guys have a good night. Kirby, let's go ahead and switch gears. You know, that was obviously a really tough loss, a maybe the most frustrating game of the season. For, for the Jayhawks and for Kansas fans, going down to Lubbock and losing to the Red Raiders last Saturday night. And we were all wrong on our predictions, except Connor. And Connor makes people mad on the boards. There are always people that are like, you know, it's time for Connor to stop with his stuff. And, man, <laughs> Connor Becker, he does a heck of a job. I love – I mean, he writes he, – he's a great writer. But, man, he's – 
He picks some games and he really frustrates me with the way he does it, John. Well, he hey, he hit that one right. So you and I got it wrong and he got it right. And, you, you know, you look back over that game, Randy, and, God, you just you kind of kick yourself because, you're, God, you're like, that's a game that that was a game that KU could have won, right? I mean, Texas, oh, absolutely. Texas Tech's not a whole lot better than KU. You know, obviously, it was at home. But, again, you know, I did a Q&A with the Texas Tech site last week, and they said, what are some of the keys? And I said, you know, KU, for whatever reason, I don't know, I, I don't even know the reason, but the football gods, let's let's blame it on the football gods or something. I like that. Let's this whole that thing of falling behind, okay? Yeah. I mean, you know, the Jayhawks have made a habit of that a lot this year. And I, and I said, you know, going down to Lubbock, in a, in a place that's hard to play, I said the key is here is not fall behind. And when I say fall behind, if you get behind 14-7, that's okay because you're down a score. But mm-hmm. they fell behind 24-7. So yep. I just, you know, it's one of those things you're like, how does this keep happening? And I'm sure Lance Leipold and his staff are sitting in there thinking, like, what magic formula? Is there some dust that you can sprinkle over your team to where that doesn't happen? There's no rhyme or reason for that. I mean, it's just, I don't know if it's bad luck or what, because I guarantee you, Kansas is coached up. They're prepared to play. Everybody knows Leipold and his staff can coach. They they got good schemes, okay? There's there's not something out there. I don't know what the reason is, but listen, this team continues to fight. That's what you do know. They could have folded 10 against Baylor. They didn't. They could have folded 10 against Texas Tech down 24-7 on the road. But they find a way to get back in these games, and I think just it's where the program's gone. It's where it's where Leipold's taken them in his first two seasons. These kids don't quit. I thought Devin Neal had a great game. Um, again, you know, again, two weeks in a row, basically two hundred yards. It's and unbelievable. He, and he's playing banged up. I mean, Devin yes. Neal is not a hundred percent. I mean, he's 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 doing this performance, you know, not not with a full tank of gas. Uh, you know, the one thing I thought. And and I you know Texas Tech lost their big DN the NFL kid and you mm-hmm. know, they, they got and a he may too... be done he may be out for a long time well I don't know what his I don't know what his injury is but here's what you do I I told I told my son I said that kid won't play the rest of the year because when you're a first round guy second round guy and you get banged up and if you have a possibility of coming back like the last week anymore Randy those guys just don't come back. There's no I mean, reason to. You, you you see guys pulling out of their bowl games and opting out and all that. So I, I'm I, I haven't I haven't seen an update what the injury is, but I, I just don't know how a guy like that would be back. I thought the Texas Tech defense, the front four, they got a little more pressure on Bean than I was hoping to see. So you know that's something they'll have to sh- uh, shore up. And Chuck, the the quarterback from Texas Tech, he's not a runner. But I want to say I don't know if he led him in rushing, but one time in the fourth quarter he was he was leading him in rushing, and then God the missed field goals and man Borchilla Borchilla had such tough luck. I mean the balls when you when you rewind those the ball looks like it's going to get there and just at that last second they just hit that right upright. So you know th- boy those are big field goals. Those are kind of momentum killers. So hopefully. Over these next two weeks, if he's called on again, you know, he can knock something through. You know, Randy, I was thinking about this. I don't know if you remember Mason's early teams. 
Okay. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I, so I remember Mason's early teams, some of those 90s, 90, 91, that led into 92. And, mm-hmm. then, and then Mangino's teams, those 2003, 2004 teams that maybe, you know, you know I, I know they got to a bowl game in 2003, but that was kind of smoke and mirrors with the four non-cons and things like that. But the, it reminds me of the same progression. They fight you. They're tough. They're well-coached. They believe they're going to be in the game. It's just kind of like a flashback, kind of a you know deja vu. Deja vu. Sometimes. There you go. When you watch these guys, and I'm going, golly, I remember Mason's teams would flat out fight you tooth and nail. I remember Mangio's teams, and and these guys remind me a lot of that. So you know, the, mm-hmm. the only thing I'll close with on that is you look back and you go, God, that that thing was winnable. You know, it was it was right there, and those are hard to win on the road. No question. I just I I have thought about it so many times since Saturday night. If they could have just gotten a couple stops defensively, just a couple more stops, just tackled better, whatever it might have been, that that game was there. And it's it uh, that's what makes it so frustrating. But we got to flush it and move on, which is exactly what Lance Leipold would tell us. But before we get into this matchup against the Texas Longhorns coming up this Saturday in Lawrence, it's time to hear from our good friend Jeff Ketchum, publisher of OrangeBloods.com. Kirby's got him over on the studio line right now. I am going to welcome in our only guest on this podcast, and he deserves his own podcast, Jeff Ketchum, who I've known for probably 20 years. He is the publisher of OrangeBloods.com, and I love Jeff because he gives it to you straight, and sometimes he's entertaining. So, Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm just sitting here thinking about you and I driving around. I think we were in a cab in Nashville, God knows how many years ago. <laughs> like we we really do go back a long way. Oh, was that when that guy stuffed all that food in his pocket in that convenience store? The thing I'm thinking about might not be for like children's ears. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jeff, I remember at one of the rivals conventions, I can't remember who it was. It might have been the old Colorado publisher, and we were in a convenience store, and it was probably three in the morning, and he stuffed like six or seven frozen burritos in his pocket and just walked out. And and the guy, the cashier, looked at me like, You're with him, right? And I'm like, Yeah. And I've- <laughs> I'm just like, hey, listen, man, here. I think I just threw cash on the table and said, will this cover it? And the guy was like, yeah. And I'm thinking, golly, man, that guy owes me. Now, the memory that I have in my head at this particular moment, it was just, it might have been the first time where you and I were together and the walls came down with regards to the programs that we cover and all of the things and secrets that exist uh, inside of those broken walls, and all these years later, it stands out to me as top five rivals conversation uh, that I've ever had. Oh, that's great! That's great. We we've had because it involved it, it it involved like coaches and mistresses, and <laughs> you know, it was just the kind of thing that until you've had a couple of drinks, you don't just, you just don't talk about with mixed company. That's right. That's right. You got to trust who you're talking about for sure. All right. Hey, Jeff. All right. Here's my first question for you. All right. And KU fans have yeah. brought, brought this up. When does Texas leave the big 12? Probably 2024. I think that 
there's increased optimism on the Texas side of things that this thing might be able to happen earlier rather than later because of the new TV contracts that it looks like the Big 12 has been able to work out for itself without Texas and Oklahoma. And, you know, you can make a case that it's almost like when it first happened, I think everybody understood, make those sons of guns stay as long as humanly possible. They owe us. Don't let them break out of a contract. And if they do, make sure they pay the full $80 million. But now, this thing's kind of worked out for everybody. And I think that if you're the Big 12, if you can get out of these last couple of years without Texas and Oklahoma casting a shadow over what you're going to do in the future, maybe that's not such a bad thing either. So I think Texas people are optimistic, but, you know, I'm not more than a couple of months removed from hearing people say it's definitely going to be 2025. The whole thing is Oklahoma's, if, if push came to shove, Texas would pay the buyout money and it's a lot, but Oklahoma, it's a non-starter for the Sooners and Texas and Oklahoma aren't going to go into the SEC in different years. Right, right. All right. So I was on your website. I was looking through the message board. Boy, the fans, they're, they're kind of down on Sarkeesian. What's, I mean, what's the mood of just how he's going with the program? We've reached the bipolar like portion of Texas football. There have been enough <laughs> losing years now, and i got to be completely honest. You guys have contributed to some of why the bipolarism exists. Um, it's just been a yo-yo of a year and it's been a yo-yo of the last decade or so. And Texas fans have been through the ringer with optimism and they had optimism last week and it was really set up. You know, they had one of the biggest cast of recruits, star studded recruits. I've covered it almost 30 years of recruiting on Saturday in Austin. And the message with a lot of them, five-star guys on hand, was don't lose. This, this, sometimes it doesn't matter, but Texas is constantly trying to sell a story that they're on the cusp of competing for championships. And, you know, it is a little bit like the little boy who cried wolf. They're constantly telling people that. They're not constantly doing it. But if you win Saturday and you've got all these people in attendance – you control your destiny in the Big 12 in terms of getting to the Big 12 championship game, and that would seem like a really sizable step for this program, especially coming off of a five- and seven-year. It's only competed in the Big 12 championship game once, essentially, in the last decade, although if you go back to 2013, last game of the season, they played Baylor. You know, It was a 6-3 game at halftime, and if they win that game – Mac Brown sticks around. Texas is the regular season champions at a time when there wasn't a postseason game anymore. And I think Texas feels like they I think Texas fans feel like they got the okie doke. And Sark is a guy that is very likable, but we're in year two. He's got eleven and eleven overall record. And I think that patience uh, is thin around these parts. And the thing is, like, there's there's some stuff with Sark where Texas fans are starting to go, okay, what's this guy's deal? He's terrible at making adjustments. His offenses 
over the course of two seasons in the second half are dismal. They go into this game in Lawrence having not scored a touchdown offensively in the last six quarters of the second half that they've played in. So that's not, you know, that's Kansas State, that's TCU last week, that's Oklahoma State, it's three games. That's, you're going almost to the very beginning of October, the last time Texas scored an offensive touchdown in the second half. Meanwhile, if you just include current quarters, they haven't scored a touchdown in six straight quarters. So a game and a half, they haven't scored an offensive touchdown. The quarterback is a five he's, – he's a generational talent in the eyes of recruiting experts who ranked him as like one of only a couple of guys that have ever been, a no doubt about it, number one overall player in his class, all recruiting services. You know, it's like him and Vince Young. And he has been dismal. He currently, if he had enough pass attempts – to rank in the Big 12, he'd rank eighth in a, in a year when the quarterback plays really not that good. It's one thing to be eighth and, like, you got five guys who are all Big 12 candidates. It's another where he's eighth, and it's hard to name, like, who who's your quarterbacks in the Big 12 this year if you're going to put together a first, second, and third all Big 12 team. It You know, Jalen Daniels stays healthy. That thing makes a ton of sense, but – there aren't a lot of guys that excite you, and I just think Texas fans have some real doubt right now. If this game was a week ago, you'd be catching Texas fans on the other end of the bipolar scale. They'd be like, we're going to do it. We're so close. We're going to win this game. We're so close. We can, we can taste it. <laughs> and they felt like they were that close, and it got ripped away from them, and now they're just mad. They're just mad. All right, so I'm going, to, I'm going to stick to the offense there. You talked about yours and, and that. Just talk about the offense. What are they doing? What's their scheme? And who should we watch for? B. John Robinson is probably the best college running back I've seen with my own eyes in person since Ricky Williams. And, you know, Texas has had some dudes. I mean, even when kansas beat texas back in 2016 deontay foreman had a huge game had a big fumble but had a huge game jamal charles um cedric benson like there's there's some there's some real dudes that i've seen just at this school he's incredible he really is i think he may be a slightly better version than saquon barkley he's that kind of talent I think if you were we're talking about fantasy football next year, he's a no doubt. He's going in the first round of NFL drafts, uh, fantasy drafts next year because whoever drafts him is going to use him, and he is remarkably skilled. So, I think what you're seeing teams do is say, look, we can't as best as we can, and this is certainly what TCU did last weekend. Can't let that dude just beat us the way he beat Kansas State. And so he's, he's, he's remarkable. And look, Kansas might defend the hell out of the run on Saturday, and he might still go for 200 yards. Like, he is a generational-type talent. He is a six-star who is a five-star recruit. You look around the rest of the Texas offense, though, and I think this is the rub that Texas fans have right this moment. That guy got 12 carries and zero passing game attempts on Saturday. Wow. So they lost a game where they couldn't get anything going on offense, 
And they've got this generational talent that Sarkeesian kind of forgot about because Sarkeesian, as much as every coach is like, oh, we got to establish the run. It's the most important thing we can do. Sark likes to throw the ball. And if you look at the last two losses, 49 pass attempts against Oklahoma State on the road in Stillwater, 39 last week against TCU, and the quarterback is stinking up the joint with a sub-100 quarterback rating. And Sark is like, we're going to pass our way out of this rut, and it's just not happening. And Sark's like, don't tell me that it's not happening. Throw the ball again. And, you know, there's you got people blaming the quarterback. The re, Xavier Worthy, I think, is one of the top three talents, top three wide receiver talents, along with Roy Williams and Jordan Shipley, that I've seen at Texas in the last 30 years. And I'm not, I'm not lying to you, man. There are people on social media on Orange Bloods this week who are like, Xavier Worthy needs to go. <laughs> he, he is – his body language when, you know, he's gone deep for the 12th time in the game and the quarterback can't get him the ball, God, he's got a bad attitude. And it's like, well, no, he's – wide receivers are kind of divas. And if they keep getting open and you can't complete the passes, yeah, they might they – might, show some disgust in their body language and Texas fans are frustrated right now. And it's kind of one of those deals. I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. This is one of those weeks where I don't need to say anything controversial. People are already hot. If I were to say something silly, I don't want to get sucked into this orbit of let's just get rid of everybody. We're, we're angry at everybody. So the offense that comes to town, they're better up front. The tackle play is probably as good as I've seen in 15 years at Texas. But they don't cons- – here's the thing. They probably should run to the left side of their line more than they do. And last week they just exclusively ran to the right side of the field, and they could not run the football. The, I'm, John, I'm telling you right now, the left tackle they got who's a true freshman, best left tackle I've ever seen at Texas as a true freshman. This guy will be a top five NFL pick, talking about Kelvin Banks. And there are times that, look, he is not going to get beaten. I don't care. He has played Will Anderson. He has played Tyree Smith in Texas Tech. He has played uh, the big dude, the uh, big, big Frank, whatever that dude's name is at Kansas State, who's I always forget. You guys will see him, I think, next week. Um, he's played all three of those guys. They ain't getting stuff off. He's a true freshman. He's, a, he's, just, un, he's just ridiculous. But, you know, they probably need to run behind that guy, and sometimes they really don't. So the running game's a bit curious, and I think at the root of what's going on with the offense is you have a quarterback – who has – I feel like I'm saying a bunch of hyperbole about the guys on this offense. It's crazy. They they might – Quinn. if we can set Quinn Ewers aside for a moment, because who the hell knows what's going to happen with him long term. Bijan Robinson is considered the number one running back in next year's draft. Xavier Worthy has 21 career touchdown receptions in 22 games. The, the the sophomore tight end that they have, Jatavion Sanders, is, I think, a future first or second day NFL player. 
And then you've got Kelvin Banks, who I'm telling you is going to be a, a top five NFL draft choice when he comes out in two years. So you're talking about four, at least four, not including the quarterback, who is a generational talent as a prospect. You've got four talents out of 11 who are high-end future NFL players, and they are struggling to score points. And at the root of most of it is the quarterback play has just been terrible. So this guy that's allegedly a generational talent has been anything but that. And this is how you arrive at the Kansas game where Texas could score 50 on Saturday, but they come in not having scored in six straight quarters. So maybe, maybe they continue to struggle. And it's the storyline of this game because Kansas is going to score some points against this Texas defense, which doesn't travel well on the road over the course of Sark's tenure. Sark, two and six in his career on the road. Um, the Kansas State win a couple of weeks ago was the first time he'd won a road game since September of last year against TCU. So, you know, I think the question for me is what Texas offense shows up? Because they could outscore anybody on their day. But for the last month, that side of the ball has been red flags and question marks. And it's been the defense that's really been getting it done for Texas. And this was a team that came into this season with incredible question marks on defense. And I think now it's kind of the only thing at the moment that Texas supporters trust. But, boy, when they go on the road, I mean, I'm not blinking if you tell me KU scores 34. And look. He scored in the 50s last year against Texas. So, I, you know, to me, this feels like a game with a lot of points in it. The question will be, can KU do it against this Texas defense that's rejuvenated? And can Texas do it against anybody, let alone, I think, a Kansas defense that's ripe for the picking? I mean, as many points as KU has scored all year, you can score some points on them. Um, but Texas – and it's mindset impossible to completely put your finger on before this game starts. Well, that kind of takes me to my what would be my final question. How do you see this game? I don't know. I mean, I think Texas is better than Kansas. And I say that with an incredibly high – there wasn't anybody outside of the state of Kansas that was pumping Kansas up earlier this season. You should, you should see some of the stuff I've said in the Slack channel for Orange Bloods with regards to what I think about Daniels. I think he's a generational talent himself. I think that he's just incredible. And if Texas gets him on Saturday, like Katie bar the door, who knows? Who knows? Because that dude is incredible. And if he can just find some of that form from early in the season, it means that KU has a pretty massive advantage at quarterback. I don't know. I know a lot of your listeners right now, over the course of the last 20 years of KU football, you might have to go back to Todd Reese back when you'd go every game. Oh, yeah, we got the advantage of quarterback. Our guy's better than the other guy. You know, having a massive quarterback advantage is a really big deal. And if Daniels is in his zone, if he's tapping into what he was doing earlier in the season, and oh, by the way, Texas struggles with guys – that are run threats in addition to throwing the football. That's who Daniels is. But coming off of the injury, is he going to turn it loose? Like, I think the Daniels question of this thing, with all due respect, Texas should beat KU 
uh, if Dane plays. I mean, he's good. I, I, I think he's pretty good. But, like, Daniels is scary from my perspective as somebody watching him from a 1,000-plus miles away. Texas, I think, is going to score some points. But here's the thing, and this is the thing that all teams think about Texas. If you can, and, and KU proved this last year. People think Texas has a weak chin. So if you can drag them into the deep waters into the second half, you can drown them. They will drown. So I think KU's got to keep the game close. Texas usually didn't do it last week, but they usually start out like fire. Sarkeesian, more times than not, has an early game script that produces points. But if you can keep it close and get it into the second half, and let's say it's a 31-28 type of game going into the final 15 minutes, I think KU would have to be favored to win that game. All, the, 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 again, the recipe is real simple. Keep it close, drag them into the deep, deep waters in the fourth quarter, and drown them. And it's what's happened to Texas in Lubbock. It's what happened to Texas at Oklahoma State. It's what happened all last season. It's, that's it. That's the recipe for the game. And for Texas to avoid that, they've got to, I think, if they can get a two-touchdown lead early in the game, which isn't impossible. And they, they did it in Manhattan. They did it in Stillwater. They did it a ton last year. If they can do that and then just keep some distance, they'll hold on. It's going to be a tight game. And I, my, my, I, what I think happens is Texas leads early. They start to fade we get to the final 15 minutes in the fourth quarter, and it's a 50-50 game. And, and KU won the 50-50 game in the exact same position a year ago. Well, Jeff, as always, I always appreciate you coming on and giving us your Texas knowledge. And I'm sure we are going to be in for an interesting one on Saturday. So um, we will definitely talk to you again soon in the future, my friend. You got it, John. I love you, man. You have a good rest of the week. Curb, you can always count on Ketchum to deliver the goods. And, and again, great interview with the man from Orange Bloods. Let's break this thing down. How do you see this thing going Saturday? Well, you know, Randy, again, I, I said last week the game, I, I know what KU's going to bring. I, I have a good feel what they're going to bring. And I'm, I'm going to stick with my same theme this week. This, this week's about Texas. Okay, I've watched Texas play. I watched them play Alabama. Mm-hmm. I watched them play some against TCU, and I watched them play some against K State. Okay, and I mean, up against Alabama, they lined up and went toe to toe with Alabama. All right, that was the best I've seen Texas play in years. Well, let me tell you, I watched their defense the other night against TCU, and I think TCU's offense is pretty good. And I mean, Texas was playing. Okay, they were flat out playing. If here, here's what I'll say: If Texas brings their A game and Kansas brings their A game, Texas is going to win the football game. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they, you you heard Ketchum. They have a big physical offensive line for whatever reason. It was interesting listening to Ketchum say Sarkeesian wants to just keep showing everybody how well his quarterbacks can throw when he's got you know a generational type running back in Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. They've got a big physical offensive line with two true freshmen starting that are really good, and then they throw the ball forty something times and they run Bijan like twelve. So 
again, this game comes down to Texas. Like, if the Texas that shows up that played Alabama or the Texas defense that shows up that plays TCU, the Jayhawks are going to have their hands full, okay? I mean, I think this is this is what I think. The Ewers kid, just for whatever reason, is off at quarterback. And I know he's talented. I know he's got crazy arm strength. I was I saw something this week with Trent Dilfer breaking him down and and the the kid's talented, but for whatever reason, they're just not connecting in that pass game. So I think Texas is going to come in. They know it's going to be 35 degrees, which we're going to talk about here in a second, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, they've got to come in and say, okay, you know what? For one game, we're going to get out of this whole throwing mode, and we're going to come in and be physical and run the football. I think Kansas is going to have to come out, and they're going to have to stack the box. And they're going to have to take their chances with Worthy, the receiver, who's real good, and they've got another good uh, speedy kid, and I forget his name. But – they're going to have to take their chances on some one-on-one or some cover zeros or something like that, and they're going to have to stack the box and just not let Texas run it on them. Okay? Now, on the flip side, when we talk about the Jayhawks, right now the question is going to be quarterback. All right? Lance Leipold just said on Hawk Talk that he's got Vasco, Bean, and Daniels all working there. He even kind of made a comment that Vasco's taken as many reps as anybody. He says he's been working with the trainer, talking with the trainer, who's healthy, who's ready. I just have to think. I thought it was interesting that that no quarterback came to media day this week, which kind of tells me that I'm thinking Jalen Daniels is ready to go. Now, mm-hmm. it, it, it comes down to Jalen Daniels, okay? What's his pain like? Is he moving free? Is, is everything feeling good? So I think it comes down to him. I think he plays. That's my prediction. I think he plays. I know the Jayhawks are a little banged up, okay, but they got to get ready for a physical game because Texas is very physical. I know Texas remembers the game from last year, and they've been hearing about it, and I'm sure they're hearing about it last week. Hey, KU came down here and beat you guys in Austin. So I'm sure Texas is going to be ready to play. They still have an outside chance. It's, it's, not, it's not eliminated to still play in the Big 12 title game, okay, so they have something to play for. They're on the edge there. But, you know, Randy, what kind of team's going to show up from Texas? I mean, they lost last week was the game that they that was circled for them. It was a primetime game, and they didn't win. Are they going to be totally up like they were last week? They're going to walk into Lawrence. It's going to be 35 degrees. They're not going to like that. So I, I don't know what team shows up for Texas. I think Kansas is going to be ready to play. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's my prediction. And, I, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to foreshadow here. Right now, as it stands, with what we know of both teams, of who's playing and who's not injured right now between KU and K State, I, I, I'm leaning toward K State next week. Okay, so I'm just giving you a little advanced look on my prediction. So, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Jayhawks over Texas, twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Give me yours. Ooh. Well, this isn't going to be a week where you and I have the same score again. I know we even had people on the board talking about don't let Withers take your score. I will not. I'm not going to take your prediction. I I just really feel like Texas wins this game. 
Um, I see this one. I see the Longhorns taking this one. 31-24. I see Kansas being in it late. I see him having an opportunity. I see Jalen Daniels uh, starting and playing the entire game and really looking good on the offensive side of the ball. But the size of the Texas Longhorns on that offensive line, I think it wears down our, our defensive front. And I also think that one of the issues that we saw last week against Texas Tech and that we've seen all season continues to rear its ugly head, and that is – Difficulty tackling. We have just not tackled well. Kansas defense has not tackled well this season and going against Bijan Robinson and that offense. I just I, I think it's a bad matchup. Um, Kansas will be in it. I see Texas winning this one coming into Lawrence on senior day. I followed it up saying I sure hope I'm wrong because the seniors in this program that have been through so much, I don't want to see them go out like that. And they, and even though they have, obviously, the following weekend at Kansas State and a bowl game to look forward to, they deserve a win on senior day. Hey, I'm going to tell you what else they, they deserve, Randy. They they deserve people to show up, and I get it. it. It's, yes. It's, it's the day after a basketball game, so you're going to have your people from Kansas City and Topeka and Wichita and everybody, they're going to drive in for the basketball game, okay? Hey, come back and watch a football game. Stay overnight. What, whatever it is, these kids, some of these guys like Sam Burt. I was talking with Sam this week. I was talk, talk with Caleb Sampson. Man, just what these kids have been through. And then to succeed now and to have a whole nother month to play football and get ready for a bowl game. These guys deserve people's support. And, and I know, listen, I followed KU football long enough, Okay. KU football fans, they want to win. They want to show up. They want to support. But sometimes it takes a little bit of while for them to catch on, okay? Yep. And, and and the people who are listening to this podcast, that's probably not them because those are probably the hardcore people who are there when it's 35 degrees, right? I've always said KU will always have twenty five to 30,000 in the stands because there's the loyal hardcore group of about that amount, right? It's yes. the other 15,000 they got to capture to get them on board. So I hope that other side on the other side of that 25, 30,000 is there because it would be nice for these kids to walk out and see some pretty good support for their last home game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I know one of the things that we've been talking about and you've, you've kind of alluded to it for the last few weeks, there are going to be a lot of recruits in for the game and on the sidelines during pregame in Memorial stadium on Saturday Tell us what you think, what you see coming this weekend in regards to recruiting and and maybe even preview a little bit of of the madness that early December could bring. Yeah, so here's what I'm going to do, Ram. I'm going to talk about the guys who I know that are coming in for official visits, okay? And, and we talked about this in the last podcast. It's it's kind of a new thing now, right? You're All of a sudden, you get good crowds. You get some momentum. You get the community behind you. Now you start bringing in visitors for official visits. I remember, I can tell you for a fact, I have talked to some of the past KU coaching staffs that were here, and they said, hey, we just don't want to really bring a lot of official visitors in for home football games because it's not the greatest environment. Well, things are changing, yeah. okay? So I'm going to talk about the official visitors, and and stay tuned to the site because the visitor list is changing Every day. So I've got guys I'm taking off. I've got some guys I'm adding. So probably 
Thursday when we release a podcast, maybe Thursday, early morning, Friday, I'll have a list of some guys I've been able to track down. So I'm going to start off with Buffalo Cruz. We've talked about him, offensive lineman from City College of San Francisco. Been Folks, hearing about him seemingly all season, actually. Yeah, well, you know, so he was he was eligible to leave last spring, and nothing materialized that he liked. Then I thought there was a chance he could end up somewhere this summer, and that fell apart. So he's been there practicing with his team. He's been in the weight room. He's added weight. He's taken care of his grades. And, you know, Fuchs went out and watched him practice, and they they jumped on him right after that and get, gave him a, you know, set him up for an official visit. Uh, Lardarius Webb Jr., I will say, because his dad, Sr., was a cornerback, a defensive back for the Ravens. He's from Jones College in Mississippi. Very talented. I think it's going to come down to KU, Oklahoma State, and probably Mississippi State for him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Kai Wallen, a defensive end from American River. I just put up a story on him yesterday. Yeah. 6'6", 240. Kid comes out of high school right now. He's graduating from high school this year. Comes out of high school. He's got really nobody on him. He said Northern Arizona and a couple other schools were on him. He says he signs at American River. He's there, and he's, his plan is to redshirt. So right before the season, they come. They say, hey, we're going to need you to play. So he plays. You know, this kid's 6'6", 240. All of a sudden, he's catching fire. He's got like 15 D1 offers now. He says he's got SEC school calling, Big Ten. KU was kind of one of that first in the group to get on him. So he's going to be interesting because I still think he's going to get a – once these coaches get out on the road and start recruiting, I think the traffic's going to pick up for him. So he's coming in. I know uh, Taiwo Onotolo has been on him pretty hard, KU's defensive ends coach. And then another DN, Nico Taylor, who you and I have mm-hmm. talked about from yep. Blue Valley North. He's at Hutch now. Yep. Uh, he'll be in for a visit. So those are the four visits. There was going to be five. Marcus Allen, wide receiver, who's a transfer from Wisconsin, was going to come in. But as we were doing the podcast here, he just sent me a DM. And I'm pretty certain this is who he's talking about. But I think he was very close with one of the students the football players from virginia who was shot and killed so he yeah he just texted me and said hey man because of a death of a close friend i will not um, be visiting this weekend so he's pushed his visit back i believe he told me on the second on the dm so we're taking marcus off the list and and if that's the case hope he does well and 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 gets through that i want to i'll leave you with this one I just talked to a DJ Johnson tonight, an offensive lineman from Dodge City. He is a big, athletic kid, and I think he's going to get more offers too. And he told me he is going to come in, I believe, December 2nd on an official visit. So I believe Marcus Allen and DJ will be there. But keep an eye on DJ Johnson. This this kid's an interesting offensive lineman. Mm. I love the sound of this. So much recruiting news, and this is this is when it really starts to get interesting. When you have went for this program that has overachieved this year to be able to have a game like this with the kind of atmosphere I re- that we're all hoping for on Saturday, and and have a bunch of big time recruits in the house. This is where you can really start to make gains over the next few years, and it all starts this weekend. That is it for this edition of the Inside Slant Podcast. But before I let you go, let me remind you again, we want to thank our friends at My Freight World for making this thing happen. They sponsored, for the second week in a row, the Inside Slant Podcast here from Jayhawk Slant. 
for all of our listeners, if you're looking to start a new career, if you're looking to start the new year in a new business, looking to make a change or know someone else who might be interested in getting into the exciting world of logistics, be sure have them look up MyFreightWorld.com. It's a great company to work for and also a great company to work with. For those of you out there that may have freight transportation needs, a bunch of KU guys based in Overland Park, they're looking to hire and add more of their account executive positions. They've already heard from some of our listeners over the past week. Keep it rolling. Keep up the momentum. Reach out to them. They're a bunch of great guys to work for. MyFreightWorld.com. For our man Shea Wildebore on the men's basketball beat, for my good friend and our publisher John Kirby covering KU football, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We will talk with you again soon. This has been a podcast from JayhawkSlant.com.